not be anxious about anything. So that was the main, the main thing. And he said that there, you know, it's kind of a, uh, one of those things where you have the three reasons why it's so. And the first one, he said, well, uh, the reason why you should not be anxious about anything is it's not helpful. And so he claimed yeah. that, that anxiety is the number one uh, mental disorder in the United States. That there's like 40 million people that have anxiety disorders. So it's worse than depression and other things in the past. Mm -hmm. Now, in the rest of the world, it doesn't seem to be as much, but here in the US, it, anxiety is a big thing. It causes all kinds of problems. So if you're anxious about things, it's not helpful to your, it's not good for your health, okay? So it's unhealthy. The second reason he had was it was un, and I could not remember it the whole time. <laughs> the whole time we were going up the mount and down the mount, I said, it's really a neat word, Rod, but I can't remember what it is. It's like unfaithful, but it's not unfaithful. It's a much better word. And you couldn't figure it out, but the idea was that if you're a Christian, and this is our command, do not be anxious about anything, then we shouldn't be. And if you are, then you're, number one, it's a sin, because you're not, you're not obeying God's command. And then why are we anxious? Because who's in control? We're not, God is. And so God is way better than we are. So if you're going to trust God, then why are you being anxious about anything? So that was the gist of it. But I couldn't remember what the unword was. Okay, and then the third reason was that it was unhelpful. Okay, and oh, and as it turns out that this whole, this whole sermon that he had, it was some guy that was his best hit, so it was like number two, so it wasn't chosen for the war. It just turned out it was there, so it wasn't, they didn't pull it out just for this. It just was very fortuitous. But the third one was it's unhelpful. The thing was, well, okay. And then they get the, the thing from the Sermon on the Mount where you know, Jesus says, you know, who of you by worrying can change uh, anything in your life? You can't, you don't know how many human hairs you are. You can't add a second to your life. And so what's the point of being anxious? Because you can't do anything about it. So unhelpful, unsomething. And unhelpful. Okay. So, and I was sitting there, and it, 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 really, we kept thinking, it was, okay, well, we, we kind of got the gist, and Ron says, we got it. That was on Thursday morning. So then, Saturday morning, 4 o'clock, I woke Jan up. I said, I got it. I remember what it is. I got the word. I texted to Ron. It's At what time was that? Like, like 4.30. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, the word is, it's unbecoming. So, then I thought, okay, now that's really, it's so much better of a word than unfaithful. It carries a lot more meaning if you think about it. So, unbecoming, you know, so what does unbecoming mean? Yeah, yeah well, it means, there it is. So here's two definitions out there. Of behavior not fitting or appropriate, unseemly, or not according with the standards appropriate to one's position or condition of life. So here we are, and since we're, you know, we don't have any visitors here, this is all just church here, so this is good. So not fitting or appropriate, unseemly. So here we are, we're Christians. So, you know, we're, we're disciples. And so if you're sitting there, you're being anxious, then that's not really fitting or appropriate. It's unseemly. It's also not the standards are appropriate 
you know, for who we are in life. And so it's like, wow, this is really a lot better of a word. I'm so happy I remembered it. <laughs> you know, it came to me. So the next time, next week we were up, we were talking about that. I told Ron, well, you know, then I was thinking about that. And then, you know, the thing that comes to my mind is, you know, probably because Joey likes all the movies and stuff, so I thought, a few good men. Yeah! Okay, so, 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 you know, in a few good men, you've got, you've got Tom Cruise as the defense lawyer, and you've got uh, Jack Nicholson as the base commander, and Tom Cruise is defending this, this uh, defendant on a charge of murder. And the, the charge was that, that the cadet died, and they, I don't remember how they got the murder, but he, the defense was that he was following the order of the base commander. He's supposed to red flag him or something like that. So basically like hazing him. And the, the, they denied it, and then they get Jack Nicholson on the stand. And, and as a stoner, this only happens in the movies because it doesn't happen in real life where actually, you know, in, in courtrooms it never happens like this where you break the guy down and he goes, yeah. You can't, you can't handle the truth. You know, he admits that, that he, that he, of course, he gave the red flag order. You know, and so then the, the, uh, the they realize, okay, he did give the red flag order, so the defendant is not going to be convicted of murder. And then they're getting off, and then they, they come up, and they, and the, one, one of the defense, you know, he, his life was the military, and they said, but you're being thrown out, you're being dishonorably discharged. He goes, why? I all I did was follow orders. I said, you're convicted of conduct unbecoming. And so even though he was given a direct order, what he should have done was disobeyed it. Of course, that would have screwed him, you know, because then, the, the, then Jack Nicholson would have done the same thing to him. But so if you look it up, that there is a, there's actually a charge. There's a, there's a penal code, conduct unbecoming an officer and a gentleman. And... This is out of Wikipedia. And basically, you get down the elements of it are that the accused did not, did or omitted to do certain acts, and that in the circumstances, these acts or omissions constituted conduct unbecoming an officer in jail. And you say, okay, well, what does that mean? You know, there's actually been a Supreme Court case on this. They went in there to see, you know, is it, what, what is conduct unbecoming? Is that too vague for a term? And in that case, I was laughing about it the way Jeff yeah, would say, "Where are you laughing?" Because in that case, even though the conduct that's unbecoming is somewhat vague, that guy was just guilty of sin, you know. So it was like, you know, they never got to it because they said, well, "Even if we had a problem with it, we don't have a problem with what you did as being unbecoming." So they say, "Okay, here it is. It's supposed to be certain people that are applied. Not everybody's applied to it, but a gentleman or gentlewoman is supposed is understood." To have a duty to avoid, avoid dishonest acts, displays of indecency, lawlessness, dealing unfairly, indecorum, injustice, or acts of cruelty. That probably means other things too. So if they want to charge it, this is what they charge it. So, uh, and that was that was the, the issue, you know. So you look at it, okay, they're in a position of authority, and they can be charged with conduct unbecoming. So I'm thinking, well, you know, officers have this certain position of authority and respect. So now you look and we go back and say, well, we're Christians. And so as such, you know, we're different than people that are not saved. And so we should have a different conduct. You know, we should hold ourselves to this higher standard. This could be something that's unbecoming. So what, you know, if you apply this, you say, well, okay, well, conduct that's unbecoming, it's not just, 
you're anxious about something. Well, how about, how about other things? Okay, well, you know, we could go to the Ten Commandments. You could go to the sin list, you know, Galatians. There's a whole bunch of things. You know, obviously, you know, adultery, drunkenness, all those things. You engage in that. That's conduct unbecoming our position as a Christian. So you could really apply this to a lot of things. It doesn't have to be just the one about anxious. Then you start to think about it and you go, well, you know, really, in some ways, this is sort of, it's sort of, that's a thought. You can sit here and say, well, we don't want to do these things, but, you know, nobody wants to be told what not to do, even though, we, you know, we know we're not supposed to do it, but that's not very interesting to, yeah. to do it. It's not very helpful. You know, nobody, yeah, nobody likes to be told what to do, all the, what not to do all the time. Mm-hmm. So then if I'm thinking about it, you go, you know, the answer here is this is just the flip side of what they used to say, what would Jesus do? All this is, is what would Jesus not do? Mm-hmm. That's conduct that's unbecoming. If Jesus would not do it, then if we're doing it, it's conduct that's unbecoming. Okay. So, and that could be the, you know, and that's where it was, and that takes care of the conduct unbecoming. But then I thought, you know, that's good, but how about we make something positive out of this, and we think, okay, we know we don't want to have conduct that's unbecoming, but because conduct matters, we don't want to have negative conduct. How about having some positive conduct? How about having some yeah. conduct that is becoming? Okay, and what can, we, what can we do to help ourselves engage in conduct which is in fact becoming of being a Christian? Okay, so the first, first thing I was thinking is, well, train self-discipline. Okay, and so there, well, I said prank, this is old, okay. When I say train, let's just assume it says train up there. Train self-discipline. Okay. Goes better with this, and this, uh, this is, uh, I didn't get which one it was here. This is 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. So this is Paul, and he says, you know, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. So that's the training. They do it to get a crown that's done at last, but we do it to get a crown that lasts, will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, so after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. And so what's he teaching you here? Self-discipline. And so, like, you know, self-discipline, you know, discipline is something that you learn by practicing. Yeah. And self-discipline, you know, in a lot of areas of my life, I have no self-discipline. You know, like, I've never quite understood this thing, you know, jazz could tell me, you know, like, why do you have to make your bed? You know, I've never wanted to do it, and I don't. You know, I just don't see it. I've, I've heard people say that you do that because it gets you in the in the right frame to accomplish other things, you know. But I don't, I don't quite buy that. But, but anyhow, but self-discipline is something that you can teach yourself in different areas. So you can do it, you know, you can, there's all kinds of areas where you can teach yourself self-discipline. So one of the things you could do is, you, could, you know, we could teach ourselves self-discipline, what Paul's saying is we could do it on trying to have conduct that's becoming. Okay, now, thinking, okay, what's the second thing we could do? Excuse me. Well, there's one thing we can do that's positive, that's easy to do, and easy compared to some of the other ones, because it's a purposeful act. And that one is, if you think about it, 
you go out there and you think about the gifts that we've been given, the spiritual gifts that you've been given. So here, what you try to do is you try to maximize them, where you try to, you know, you try to excel at your spiritual gifts. So we've all been, we've, everybody has some kind of a spiritual gift. And here's some, some texts here, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and 1 Peter 4, 9 to 11. And here's some of the gifts that they left here, they list there, you know, prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leadership, administration, showing mercy, wisdom, knowledge, faith, discernment, hospitality. There's probably other gifts too. But, you know, I've heard people give a whole sermon on this, on what are your, you know, what are your gifts? I think recently we had one too, Jerry was saying the gifts. So That's right. there's, you know, you may not have all the gifts, but you might want to work on some of the other ones. But then there might be gifts that you know you got, okay? And then if you know you got that one, well, why don't we excel at it? You know, yeah. the Bible says if you're doing something, you do it like you're working for Jesus because it builds everybody up. So if you know you got a gift, then hit that one hard. Yeah. You know, really work on that because that builds up the body. And that's something, that's a purposeful thing that we can do. And that's conduct that's becoming because I'm pretty sure Jesus wants us to use the spiritual gifts we've been given. Yeah. Okay. So that's something you can you can decide you're going to do it. You can work on it. Yeah. Now, during the more normal day, you have things, and so <laughs> you know when you're not purposely going out there say I'm going to work on my spiritual gifts. But one of the things you can do is think about your thoughts. Okay. And so what do we have there? There's positive thoughts. So Paul says in Philippians 4.8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So that's putting, that's putting good stuff in your mind. You know, and we can do that. And, you know, and if, you, if you sit there, well, I don't know why I can't think of anything. Well, you can always read the Bible, you know, you can read the Sermon on the Mount, you know, but there's other things, like, you know, when you're out there, when I'm out there with Ron, we're up there on the Klein Butte, you know, you're out there, you're God's, God's, you know, it's like Joey going hiking, you're out there in God's creation, you're seeing things, and that puts a positive attitude in you, you know, so you, you can do that, you can mentally say, I want to think positive, you know, now, there's the other, so that's the positive thing you can do. The flip side of it is, you know, we can have negative thoughts. And so there, 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says, we take, er, take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Well, okay, you know, you're going to get negative thoughts. And, you know, an easy way to get negative thoughts is to, you know, read the news all the time. You know, no matter which one you watch today, there's nothing that's neutral. And so it's always meant to be provocative and, and get you worked up and, and stuff like that. So no matter what side of point of view you have, it's always going to be biased. And so, and, you know, what, what's it doing? That a lot of times it's just not positive. You know, the other thing is you could be sitting there and, you know, like for, for guys or whatever, you're sitting there watching, you're in the Internet, and boom, all these little pop-ups come up. You know, they want you to go click on this. They want, to, they want you to show you something. Well, you know you shouldn't go look at those things. So... This is a, an area where you, you, you sit there, when the negative thoughts come up, we should try to say stop and get away from them. And then when you're not there, you know, then you can sit there and say, well, let's put positive thoughts in our mind. 
Let's think about those things, because the more that you think about positive things, the better it's going to be. If you sit there and brood on negative things, yeah. it's not going to be very good. It's just like being anxious. You know, Being anxious isn't helpful. Being negative, thinking about negative things, is not helpful. Positive things are. Okay, fourth thought I had was practice godly traits or godly habits. Okay, and so there the scripture is 1 Thessalonians 5 16 to 18. So, what does it tell us? It says, Be joyful always, pray continuously, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in you through Christ Jesus. So you look at those and you go, okay, well, let's think about that. We know that being joyful always, it doesn't mean, and people talk about this in sermons and stuff, it doesn't mean being happy. It doesn't mean that you're going to be happy all the time, but you can be joyful. You can be sad, but you can be happy. And so one of the things that you always have is people say, oh, you can be happy, you can be joyful in your salvation. Okay, and that, that's true. But as, when I was walking Sid this morning, I thought, you know, there's something else you can be. There's a lot of things you can be joyful in. And one of them is, you know, you can be joyful that we live now on this side of Christ rather than before Christ. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because then they didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know what the plan was. We've got the Bible. So it's not going to be added to. I mean, so think if you're back there. First of all, they, they couldn't read back in those days, most people. And even if they could read, they didn't have anything to read because they couldn't afford it. So they couldn't study it. You know, they probably couldn't write. So all they get is what they hear. You know, and they kind of get these things and they, they try, try to memorize it. Whereas, you know, here, I mean, do you realize how blessed we are to be able to do that? Right. And that's something you can be joyful about. That's right. You know, so because what if you didn't have that? So. There's things that we can take joy in, even if you're not, even if you're not happy at the time. But you could be really. I mean, I'm really glad I'm on this side of Christ. So you kind of you got you know where it is. So that's a joyful. Then the thing I'm praying continuously. Well, you know, elsewhere I think it says there's a scripture about pray. You know, offer up all kinds of prayers on all occasions. Okay, and, and what did what did Jesus say? Sermon on the Mount. He says, well, you know. Uh, ask and you shall receive. Knock, you know, knock and be door will be open. And and uh, the third one, seek and you shall find. Those things. But the idea is to, to pray for them. And what did Jesus do? So Jesus, remember, Jesus was here, but he's fully God. And what was he doing all the time? He was praying. He was going off and doing that. Now he was God. Did he have to go do that? You know, even before he went to the cross, he was out there praying. So that's a godly trait, you know, and that's going to put you, that's going to make you in a conduct that's more becoming than unbecoming. You're going to get in a lot less trouble when you're praying than when, than when say, you're reading the news or doing something else. So uh, the third one is, that, and, that, and, that, that, and there's probably other ones too, but be, uh, be thankful. So, you know, this is the, the old attitude of gratitude, yeah. right? And so... And I've heard people say, well, you, you know, why don't you write, make a list? Why don't you decide 10 day, you know, like write 10 things down every day that, that you're, ha- that you're great, grateful for. Make a list. Make a list of a thousand. Do, do these things. Well, when you're around people that are grateful, you feel a lot better. I mean, who would you rather be around? Somebody that's grateful or somebody that's like, 
I think that, you know, somebody is like, wow. I mean, I can learn a half and be like, give me your day. You know, so it's, yeah, yeah. So, you know, having a grateful attitude, I mean, being thankful, it's going to be out there. And, and especially in today's world, when so many people are not happy and they're not saved and they look around, and you know, and that's something that's going to be noticeable. And so, there is another reason is, what Jesus said in, when we, he was on a Sermon on the Mount, he said, you know, you don't take a light and put it under a bowl. You know, let your light shine. Okay? And the scripture here, no. Okay, I didn't, I didn't put that one on that list. So, the, uh, but anyhow, you, you let your light shine. And I thought, okay. So, so you know, what if, what if you were sitting here and... What if you decided, uh, you know, having these, these positive things, and, and maybe this gets more into the next one, so actually I'm going to come up to it there, because maybe that's where it was. So the, the fifth one is, okay, remember who you are. This will be my second movie reference. <laughs> so, and this is, the, this is Tim Allen in the Santa Claus. Okay? And I don't know if you saw that movie, but there's, what happens is, you know, the Santa Claus falls off the roof and he's, he's going to die or whatever happens to him. So he gives a card to Santa Claus, at, to, to Tim Allen. And so when it comes to the time to be, be Christmas, the little elf comes up and he says, well, you're the Santa. He goes, what do you mean I'm the Santa? He says, well, you accepted the card. He says, yeah, so what? He goes, did you read it? And then he gets this big magnifier, you know, and he goes, I don't know, you better to the park and then you you're Santa Claus. So he becomes a Santa Claus. So he goes out that, that year, and he's Santa Claus, and his son goes out with him, and, you know, they, they go out, that's the whole thing. And then, now, the now the year has passed, and he's kind of forgotten all about this. But his son that went with him was there, and the, the elf Bernard gave him this big big uh, local thing, you know, the little snow cone thing. It's not snow cone, it's snow boats. And so he has this thing, and, and his son's telling him, Dad, Dad, you're Santa Claus. He says, remember, remember who you are, and he shakes this thing, and then the little, the little magical little thing goes inside it, and then all of a sudden, a little ding, you know, a little twinkle goes off in his eye. He says, oh, I'm Santa Claus. You know, so then they go out, he's Santa Claus again. So sometimes, I think we can kind of forget who we are. So, what does the Bible say? It says, John 3, 1, 2, that we're children of God. Okay? So that's, and this is something else we can be thankful to, we can be joyful, but we're children of God. Yeah. You're friends, so we're children of God. You know, what, what we will be has not yet been made known. We know when Christ appears, we'll be like him. Mm -hmm. So we're children of God. That's one thing that we are. So we've got to remember that. We're not just ordinary people. Another one is we're Christ's ambassadors. So in 2 Corinthians 5.20. So when you're an ambassador, I mean, it used to be that being an ambassador was a big deal and a lot of honor. You know, I'm not so sure now with the way the world is that it's still that way, but it used to mean something to be an ambassador. It means you're going to represent somebody. Mm -hmm. And what it used to be is that people would be on their best behavior, you know, because you didn't want to, you don't didn't want to reflect negatively on on people, 
And that's, you know, that's what we should be as Christ's ambassadors, that we shouldn't reflect negatively on Christ. Another thing that the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 2.9, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, holy nation, God's special possession. So that's who we all are. You know, and that's what we need to remember. That, that we're, so we're children of God, priests, ambassadors. So when you're sitting there, you know, are we acting like that or not? Okay? And when I'm, you know, so you, you can sit there and say, remember that we're not just, you know, we're, we're not like we were when we were before yeah. we were disciples. We're something more. And that's how we should act. And now this, it's kind of tied to the last one, but this would be when we get into the sermon about where he says you don't you don't put the you don't cover a light, you don't, you know, a city on a hill can't be hidden, and says, let your light shine before you. Okay. So and that says here, okay, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's in Matthew 5.16. Then 2 Corinthians 9 and 11 says, You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And so this one, the thought I had is, and remember, when we're remembering who we are, what if that you've made it a goal to be a blessing to others on all occasions? I know it's kind of hard, you know, I, I, I got to tell you what, uh, we don't have them up here, but in L.A. they have a cable company called Charter Communications, and I really, 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 really didn't like them. <laughs> and, and one time, this guy came on, and, he, and they, you know, they were always doing bad things, and so somehow the technician came out or somebody, and, you know, I said, oh, you know what I actually told him? I said, oh, you work for Satan. Oh, you work for Satan. And he said, excuse me? <laughs> I said, yeah, you work for the devil. It's charter communications. You know? So obviously that probably was not a time when my conduct was becoming. Okay? But, I, you know, I did it. And, and, but, you know, so... You look at it, but that's an example of what not to do. Okay? But now, what, what if I had done, you know, you, you call in there and, and, you know, in today's world, you call up and you get, you, you, you wait for half an hour, they disconnect you, they call you. You call back, you wait another half hour, they disconnect you. You get another half hour and you get somebody in India that you can't understand and they come on and, you know, it can really try your patience. And so you can become short of patience, but, you know, on the other hand, what if we just try to say, well, you remember who we are, and, and maybe this is a learning opportunity, so we're not going to call them working for Satan, but <laughs> you know, maybe you're going to be nice to them, you know, try to be a blessing to them, because they, you know, they're, they're, they, they probably aren't Christians, and they probably got everybody in the world not liking them, and you know, maybe a little kindness might help. You know, and that, would be, that would be something, and, and where do we get the ability to do that? It's through Christ. Yeah. Because it's hard enough to do it even in Christ. <laughs> but if, you're, if you don't, you're not going to do that. You can be rude. You know, you, you'll, you'll, you know people that are, you go to the store and other things, and some people are just, you know, they're just miserable. You know, they're, they're unhappy people. And everybody they meet, they're going to tell them that they're unhappy. And so what I'm thinking is, so what if you're blessing your others? This is... Um, I was telling Jan about this. Well, what if we're trying to... What if in, in every... 
not that you can do this, because it's hard to do it, but what if you try to do this where you say, in all occasions, you try to be. So I unexpectedly was giving some advice to some people that, I don't know, say too much of it because it would give it away, but I found myself that I, would, I would, would, had thought of this, and this was something I was telling them, why don't you just try to say, you know, two people ever having some issues, I said, well, why don't you try to say something good, only say good things, and try to say something good about the other person, and why if you try to be a blessing to them? You know, so if you're in a, in a thing where you've got conflict, you've got conflict with somebody, what if you try to do that? You know, that would be, it seems to me, that's conduct that would be becoming yeah. of who we are, not conduct that's unbecoming. Yeah. Now, uh, with this, because, you know, and we, and another thing is we're in Christ, but Joey's been preaching on that, you know, that we're in there, and so I'm not going to try to get into all that. <laughs> but, we, but we're in Christ, and one of the, the, the sixth thing is, I think it, 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 needed, it should be said, is that, we, we, we need to obey God's commands and not grieve the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Because it's easy. Yeah, we, we fall into sin. We do things. There was a time in my life where I was, you know, in my Christian life where I was in, guilty of repetitive sin. Putting myself in a position where I was doing it and, and kept, kept putting myself in a bad position. And so, you know, it, it happens. And, and I'd say... And hopefully it doesn't happen to you, but maybe one day you find yourself there. But you still can repent from it. Yeah. And one, of, you know, I'll tell you, one other person that found themselves there was no less than the God, after, the man after God's own heart. That was David. Because remember, after he had the problem with Bathsheba, that how long was it when he was unrepentant? It was like a year, all right? And all that, all those bad things happened. And and finally, when you know Samuel came up and told him and confronted him. And then he finally repented, so he can come through. But when when you're in a position where you're when you're not obeying God and you're in sin, well, then you, you're not going to be in God's blessing because he can't be in your blessing. So if you're not in God's blessing, it's hard to have conduct that's becoming because you're you're really not in a good position. Yeah. The uh, uh, next thing I was thinking of, you know, one thing we can do it also is we can we can choose. We could be wise about the company that we keep. Okay, and so on the positive side, yeah, we just want to spend time with other other disciples, and you want to you want to obey the one another scriptures, right? They're there. They tell all one another scriptures are there, and they give us benefits. They help us. And there's the proverbs, you know, iron sharpens iron, that type of thing. So that's a good thing that we do when we're when we're in there and we're spending time with good people, that with disciples. Now. On the flip side of that, the negative side is that sometimes you'll find yourselves with people that are not uh, being positive. And so there are some, some scriptures, and I think I've got them written down here. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 to 16, and Proverbs 13, 20 to 21. Now, this is not to say that you should never spend time with, with people that aren't Christians, because after all, then how would you make Christians? It doesn't mean, I mean, Jesus spent his time with the tax collectors. There's nothing wrong with going to a bar and meeting, so that's where you know, you, there are other places, I mean, if you're doing right that's where we met, uh, I met somebody that's kind of coming out, the, many came out. You know, I met her husband over there at the, at the local uh, brewery. So it's not, that's not bad. It's just what your conduct is. Right. And so, 
It's not to say you can't be around people, but let's say that you're around somebody that is preaching falsely, that's doing false teaching, okay, that you know is wrong, or that's divisive. The Bible says don't even eat with those people. You know, so if, you're, if you find yourself around people that are doing things that you know are wrong and they won't correct it, then you shouldn't stay around them. It's not going to be good. It's not healthy. Yeah. So be wise about, you know, wise about who you spend your time with. Mm -hmm. You know, another example is a little bit off, off center here. But it's, you know, if you're a, you know, the other thing is just use some common sense because obviously if you're an alcoholic, you don't want your secretary to be a bartender in a bar where you have an office, right? That would just be stupid. So, <laughs> doesn't mean you couldn't meet that person somewhere else, but you know, you gotta use a little wisdom here on, on, on who you're yeah. with and what your, the places you put yourself in. Yeah. yeah. So, and then if you find that you're always, you know, and maybe you, maybe you can be okay in one place, but if you go to that place and you find out, oh, you know, it always led to sin and it keeps happening over and over again, then you might say, well, you know, maybe that's not a good place. So you learn from that. You don't just keep falling into the same habit. And the, and the last thing I was thinking about, I was going to call it love loving, but then I, uh, you know, that doesn't sound like a good topic, you know. But it's always act in love. <laughs> you know, that could be taken the wrong way, you know. So the, uh, you know, if you, if you look at, uh, you know, the, the, the primary command is to love God with all your heart, mind, body, soul. The second cycle like love other people. So, <clears throat> what does this mean? Well, if you look at the, the book of love, which is, I think it's First uh, or Second Corinthians 13, whichever one it is, I always get confused. But it has all this list of things and attributes of love. So there's the positive things. There, you know, love, love is always patient, it's kind, so things that you can do. And then there's also things that you don't do things that are negative, things that you should not engage in. It's not rude. It's not self-serving. So it has a positive and a negative aspect of it. So that's one of the things that we can practice is sit there and say, I'm going to try to be in the positive side, not on the, the negative side. I used to have a, a, a really good dear friend that when we were, he was in my Bible talk and we, every periodically we'd get in there and you'd have the um, people would come in and give a talk. His name was Albert Hill. And every time Albert was going to preach or have his little, little session, you know, we'd get together and say, oh, okay, Albert's up tonight. It's going to be on love. Because he always did that one, he always read the same ones. It didn't matter how many times he did it, he'd always go to that text. And so that was Albert's go-to one. So we always knew it. But it was a, a kind of a good one. And so, it, you know, there's something to be said for for thinking about what things can we do that, that are loving and what things are not. So uh, in short, I guess to summarize everything, so to start off saying conduct matters. And so we don't want to be engaging in conduct that's unbecoming our position and life as a Christian. We want to engage in conduct that is becoming. Yeah. Okay? And there are things that we, can, that we can do to train ourselves in to make us do it better. And that's the encouraging thing, because we're always going to make mistakes, but it doesn't mean that we can't improve, that we can't work on it, that we can't, you know, we can try. You know, that's what Paul's saying, you know, you try, because it, it's, it's really worth the effort. Yeah. It's really worth the effort. 
And so you don't have to do it all the time, but there's a lot of, a lot of things here. I was thinking, you know, God gives us a lot of things that tells us a lot of things that we can do as long as we're willing to do it. You know, and the question is, do you think it's worth what? So now I'm going to give you one of my, my the texts that I always like to go to. And it's not Job 39. Uh, it's not that one, but this is another one. And I think it's appropriate here. And this is first, uh, 2 Peter 1, 3 to... It's either 11 or 12. This says 11, but I think it's, I thought it was 12. But, but let me read it to you, because I've, I've always had a special affinity for the scripture for some reason. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us very great and precious promises, so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.